You got the job on the technicality of a legend who recommended you. You are nothing, you are a fool, and you are a waste of time. Good night. I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. I don't believe personal insults help it. And Jack Charlton is quite right to be indignant about that, and the gentleman in the yellow hat really exists nowhere in the firmament of international football. The ten-man board of the FBI, the clowns, are now going to put the names in a hat. They're going to pick people who they've read about in newspapers. Give it a blam and flash it into the net. What a goal that was. Um, of course, Celtic. I agree with you. Ronnie just wants to say the word Schweinsteiger. Bastian Schweinsteiger. The amazing thing about the Balls.ie football show as we record this week's Balls.ie football show is recorded here at 2 o'clock on a Monday afternoon is that not a single manager has been sacked in the Premier League so far today. And no one from the podcast has been sacked either. Well, that's where we'll see in an hour's time. My name is Mark Fardy, and as always, I'm joined by Sean Meehan and Gary Connaughton. Lads, I missed you last week. I was away, um, and I knew there was a little hole in my life without the football show. There was a, there was a, there was a hole in, in the Balls.ie football show as well. Now... Is that why you got more listeners than ever? <laughs> Morris Brosnan came in and he did a, he did a bang-up job. A young rising presenter there as well on the mic last week. Uh, did a pretty good job, yep, I think. Gary so. Connaughton filled in. With, when one legend from Westmead, Desi Dolan, retires, Gary Connaughton ably steps into the void <laughs> that's been left. Um, although I don't know if Desi has ever been a podcast host. But anyway, enough, enough shite talk. This is time for we're getting to get into the real hard debate and discussion of the of the week in football. As always, today we'll be bringing you our uh, our hot takes in the weekend's Premier League or football uh, action in general. We'll also be nominating our scoundrel of the week. For, you know, we'll be crowning the David Louise scoundrel of the week as we do every week for people who have had outstanding achievements in the world of scoundrelness. Every week, um, we'll be having our Irish play a roundup. As always, Gary will be de- filling us in on how the Irish lads get on uh, across the water at the weekend. And this week. Our big debate is going to all be around football manager. It came out last week. The new one was released. Lads, you, you've both been playing it. Do you enjoy it? As as with every year, yes. But I don't enjoy looking up at the clock every single time and realising <laughs> that I've been playing it for far too long. <laughs> well, we will be talking about our uh, our football manager war stories down through the years. You know, the our different achievements. Maybe some of the things that you know, some of the the sad stories we've had from some of the possible disasters. We also have been onto all our ball study readers on social media. You've been sending in your football manager experiences and war stories in your droves. So we will get to those a bit later on. But first up, let's get to our hot takes. And Sean, I'm looking at you first because you look very concerned. You you have something to get off your chest. Um, I, I do. Uh, it's not really a hot take so much as something I feel like pretty uh, pretty adamant about. And uh, <clears throat> on Saturday, the uh, Copa Libertadores final was on. Of course. Between two heavyweights of South American football, River Plate, Argentina, Flamengo, Brazil. You know, that's a, that's a big matchup. Clash of the that's Titans. A, a classic, clash of the Titans indeed. Uh, and Flamengo won out. It's their first Copa Libertadores in... 1981. Since 1981. The first time they're ever going to be involved in the Club World Cup. Uh, so they're pretty pretty happy. Now, that's all well and good. But they've still got a league to compete with. And obviously they weren't playing in the league at the weekend because, you know, they had bigger fish to fry. So they're, uh, the, next, the next closest team to them was Palmeiras. And they needed to get a result against Gremio. And what happened? Gremio went and beat them. So not only did in one weekend Flamengo win the Copa Libertadores 
But they also won the Brazilair <laughs> Serie A. So, they won- so in 24 hours, they won the league and the South American Champions League. Like, that's a, that's a good day. That you know, is. Ice Cube Ice Cube has a song about <laughs> it being a good day, you know? He forgot to mention winning the Copa Libertadores and the Serie A in one day. And winning it, the Copa Libertadores for the first time in 38 years. In ter- and the league, I think... In first time in 10 years. 10 years. And, like, before... I think they'd only won it, like, twice in the last, like, 30 years as well, so... There'd be a few sore heads. Big, uh, big day for the boys in Flamengo. Fair play. So, I, the, my, my hot take is that you can't have a better 24 hours in football than doing something like that. There's, yeah. there's no way anything can come close to, you know, you're just getting over winning. Like, you're waking up in the morning and you're like, oh, Jesus, we have to win the, we have to win the Copa Libertadores. That's mad. And then by the time you finish that match the day before, you have to go celebrate because you won another, you won a league. I tell you what, like, I, I wonder what's going to happen to them. Something's going to happen today as well, <laughs> and they're just going to keep it going. If it was club GA players, mother of God, they wouldn't, you know, there'd be... How many books, days of work would I have to book off for that? <laughs> Seeing as you, know, you get knocked the out of the Junior B Championship, and it's like, well, lads, will have to be back in Mortal next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> the only way that that would be topped this year is if Liverpool can, of course, pull off the Club World Cup semi-final win, followed by a win over Aston Villa in the League Cup the following day. I, I, I tell you what, it would be impressive... But I just don't think it's going to be up yeah. there. It'd and be close. It'd be close. Of course, for by Flamengo winning that game, have set up a rematch of the 1981 Intercontinental Cup final between big one. Flamengo and Liverpool. Liverpool have never won that tournament. Flamengo stopped them the last time they met in the Japan. worldwide, the worldwide, yeah. uh, whatever it was, it was called, so the Intercontinental Cup. There's back a bit then. Of, there's a bit of bad blood there, so let's see I how that goes. Shinsuke Nakamura was the current Intercontinental Champion. There you go. Uh, <laughs> But I'm such a nerd. <laughs> Not the former Celtic player, by the way. The WWE uh, superstar, I think they're called these days. Are you sure he's still going playing ball? Shinsuke, yeah. the, the footballer lad. Yeah. He's still Signed going. for a new club there a couple months ago. At like. And he, he still got a wand. I tell you, he still got a wand. <laughs> Gary, what's your hot take from the weekend? Uh, my hot take is not only really from the weekend, but more culmination of a two-year journey. Um, and it is that Marco Silva is the biggest chancer in Premier League history. Like, And I... Wrote an, an article with that exact headline in January of the, of this year, and it is now November. And I think the man has only cemented himself further with the, in that with that status as time has gone on. Are you talking strict management chancers? Yeah, management yeah. chancers. Ali Dia is the biggest chancer in the Premier League. That's what? a I'd say Conor Salmon, but you know, it's <laughs> each of their own. Salmon scored the weekend. Um, he did score the weekend against uh, against uh, Tommy Coyne's uh, young fella. Yeah, who oh, yeah. did he play for? Yeah, some non-league Scottish team. Um, <laughs> there you, there you go. go. Conor Salmon aside, though, uh, you're talking about... So la- a couple of weeks ago, you said that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the worst manager in the Premier League. And now Marco Silva is the then, biggest chancer. Are, no, you just, are you just inventing new categories no, to have everybody's going to be the worst in some sort of way? No, but I think I said that was my hot take, that Solskjaer was the worst manager in the Premier League, only for us to swiftly arrive at the conclusion that Marco Silva was actually yeah, probably we, the answer. So I, I immediately disagreed with... Uh, Gary's take that Solskjaer was the worst and then couldn't think of a reason why he, he was wrong <laughs> until I remembered Marco Silva existed and then immediately went well there you go do you think our uh, people who like probably among like the likes of myself who are sympathizers to Silva or whatever kind of are swayed a little bit by just being opposed to Paul Merson's 
um, yeah. original opposition at Marco Silva coming into the Premier League. So like he had a good track record. He won the league with Olympiacos and all all the stuff that we were talking about when Merson was ranting. What's he ever done? Blah, blah, blah. But maybe Paul Merson was actually closer to the truth when he said he could win the league with Olympiacos. Yeah, but there's a lot. Like it's like people saying that oh, Celtic is. He's like Sam Allardyce was saying that Burnley, the Burnley job is harder than Celtic or whatever. Like. I get it because you think it's so easy to go in with all, to close with massive expectations. Like, it's not. Like, yeah, yeah. Olympiacos will cut you in right, half right. if you don't win. Yes, then why is Marco Silva a chancer? If he, say, he had a good. Because he keeps doing bad and getting jobs. But what I'm saying is. And he's never proven that he's good in the Premier League. No, no, but I, that's what, like going into the Premier League, right? Where, say, he's a decent track record coming in as Premier League manager. Then he did well with Hull, who He are, didn't. But he did fairly let, no, well. Let me tell you, I have it here in front of me. In Hull, right, he came in, they were like four or five points off safety. They were further off safety by the end of the season when he Are came in. Are you sure? In. That is a they fact. They stranded, I thought, at the bottom of the league when he came in. When they, when he, by the end of the season, they were further away from safety than they were when he took over. He won eight of his, he had, his record of Hull was eight wins, three draws, 11 losses, right? Watford the next season, he had the first cup, he had a good cup month or two starting off the league. Uh, his final record at Watford before he got sacked in 26 matches 8 wins 5 lo- uh, draws 13 losses like and Everton that I don't think that percentage has gone up when he took over Everton they had just finished 8th in the league now I know that was a, kind of a weird season Sam Allardyce took over his t- caretaker charge it was kind of bunched and they could have finished anywhere really between 8th and about 13th but he spent £200 million since under 15th and going nowhere fast yeah you know like no, I do. I, 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 I can't disagree with, you know, the biggest chancer uh, title that you've bestowed upon him. Uh, yeah, Everton should be doing a lot better. A lot. With the players that they have, the investment that has been put into them. And yeah, I just remember that time when he took over at Watford and then they started off well and then everybody was like, this lad now. And Everton, Everton immediately had to work gawking at him. Like, yeah. we like the cut of this lad's jib. That's why, you know, Watford fans hate him as well. Like, but uh, that Everton thing, like, as well, they were saying Watford maintained that he would have actually been grand running, that they turned his head. Lies. <laughs> no, no. <but laughs> Absolute like, lies. <laughs> no, like, I definitely agree that Everton turned his head and then he, he kind of fell off, almost fell off a cliff. And many, what did you say for Hull City? What was his record? Eight wins, three draws, 11 losses and 22 games. They had one win before that, the entire season. They only won nine all season. I'm telling you. That was in all competitions though. Um, oh, maybe, so he had a few less maybe in Premier League. But look they were it. further off though, that, 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 that is a fact. Uh, I don't know. I think... <coughs> Everton is a bit of a basket case at this stage. I don't know what they like, who they can get in or what they're going to do because they keep going from manager who is from the continent, let's say, and has a reputation for being one of the, you know, going to develop technical players, yada, yada, you know, Koeman, Silva, and then Sam Allardyce, and then talks now David Moyes coming back in. Like, <laughs> well, they're going to have to make what up their mind think, what avenue they want to follow. What would we think of Moisey? Like I, I, to be honest, I would love it. Like I, I'd absolutely love it. I feel as though people forget how good he was for Everton because everything that's gone on since he's yeah. just been completely. He's almost been ruined as a manager and his reputation. Like 
he where Everton were when he took over to where he left them were two different places completely. Yeah. Uh, but he's gonna go in and you know they'll 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 get a nice like fourteenth place finish. Yeah. I think the game has gone beyond David Moyes now. To be honest, it's a completely different thing than when he was at Everton the first time. And I just think he's the last thing that they need is uh, David Moyes completely. to be honest we talk about football manager later on it's an issue I've always run into which is uh, that you do well with a team and then you get a load of money with the fact you've done well and then you buy a load of new players and you somehow manage to do worse which is what Everton seem to do every season is that you know before they had this massive investment into players after Moyes left uh, they were actually punching above the weight now they're continuously underachieving yeah. but uh, that's enough Everton talk for the minute because I have a hot take and my hot take is I'm, I'm going to have to move house <laughs> <laughs> right okay so I wasn't here last week obviously um, so I didn't get to discuss it with you but I was watching the Ireland game and it was it was getting real tense you know you were enjoying it kind of you're kind of it's that thing you're on the edge of your seat we're looking for an equaliser things are happening you're like is this going to go in is this going to you're, you're, you're just waiting for that massive moment I was robbed of that moment because for some reason my television even though I wasn't watching on a stream or anything is behind other people's televisions. <laughs> and I live in a terrace. <laughs> and the neighbour went mad screaming. And then I was like, is that, there's going to be a goal here, isn't there? And then we scored the goal. How far behind are you? I'm about five seconds, maybe I think three or there's f- a, five. There's a diff- very slight difference like that between like the sky feed and like the Serview feed. But, there yeah. used to be anyway. I'm not sure if it still well, is the case. I have that in my gaff as well. Only like, so I... My bedroom is like downstairs in the extension and the sitting room is just like a couple of meters outside my door. But my television gets like whatever from whatever it's Virgin Media. So we're watching it and I don't know for whatever reason my telly gets it before Meowful is watching it outside. (laughs) So we'll be there like and I try my best to not but sometimes you just have to react you kind of it just it just flows out of you and it was the the last time it happened was the FAI Cup final actually because like Michael Duffy scores in that with the last kick of the game you're thinking everything's dead and not only did did I uh, wake up two people in the house that were (laughs) the furthest point away from my from where I was I scream and then <laughs> my dad just goes, You're a bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> that's not, see, I, even, I knew this issue, this was an issue because it, it happened to me on Twitter. I could be following something on Twitter and they're like, Oh, like even yesterday, it was like when uh, United scored the equalizer. Like, oh, what a turnaround. Or sorry, scored the goal to go ahead. I was like, What? And next thing, go and in. <laughs> so I know to stay off Twitter. But when, it's, when Ireland are involved, I mean, for that last 10 minutes, Every kick of the ball, I was getting shouts from the yeah, from yeah. the next door neighbor. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> no! Charlie like, McGuire had a chance or something. Just big wide. So the only solution is that I move house. If we qualify for the Euros, or- I can't go. I can't face into Euro twenty twenty if we're in it. Just with- go. Just go to the pub. I'd say just go to the pub. I can't properly watch a game in the pub though. You you don't see, but here's you, the thing: you need to pick the right pub. Yeah. What what are you doing watching matches properly? When Ireland are in major major competitions, <laughs> oh, yeah, one true. you'll be you'll be depressed out the head because we're probably going to get beat. Uh, two, then when it's great, it's all camaraderie, it's all you know drinks flying around. Who wants what? Because of buying, <laughs> like you won't get that at home. Well, like you bought your cans, you have to drink them, you know. <laughs> uh, and also, like can't have your cans and drink them, Mark. As well, <laughs> basically, you want your cans buttered on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, mate! 
Scoundrel of the Week time, or as we like to call it here, the Dave Louise Scoundrel of the Week for uh, achievements in the world of scoundrelability, if that is a word. Uh, people who have acted in some way scoundrel-like across the last seven days, whether it be they've done something dastardly or they've just, just been very cheeky or whatever it is. Our nominees this week, usually we have some Arsenal people. I think Arsenal are gone beyond the point of being a scoundrel. <laughs> They're just depressing now. Yeah, this exactly. Thing. Yeah. Uh, but although Gineppo is a possible nominee because he should have had Southampton about 5-1 up just with the chances he had an injury time never mind the rest <laughs> of the game uh, Gary who's your first nominee? I think I'll have to throw Daniel Levy in there just for the whole uh, Pochettino Mourinho move not only was like I was, we were here what day was Mourinho or was Pochettino sacked? Um, it was Tuesday we were in the office here and I, 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 was, I was finished work and I left and Sean came out behind me and I was just actually scrolling on my phone and he met me at the traffic light and I was like have you seen this stuff about Pochettino it was just kind of rumours coming around and he was like oh, that's never going to happen I was like yeah definitely not and I go and you see who's favourite as well Mourinho like imagine him at Spurs and then five hours later Pochettino was sacked <laughs> the next morning Mourinho was Spurs manager and I was like how have we come to this point like you know like how long had Levy been talking to Mourinho before he sacked Pochettino do you think I'd say at least a few weeks because there's no way they would have sorted out those little then not little major differences yeah. you would have thought that Mourinho would have had with Spurs in like such a short time so I have to think Levy's in there just for that he's He's not stupid, that man. No, Levy. He knows what he's about. Uh, I want to nominate Jose Mourinho or Jose <laughs> Mourinho. I keep calling him Jose. I'm sorry. Um, like his whole "I am now the humble one" type shtick that he's had since he came back. It's just really irritating me because it's like the non-goal celebration celebration. <laughs> it's off. Do you see this where he apologised to the sports fans after the West Ham game? So he said at the end of the game, I didn't want. He didn't go over to applaud them or whatever. You know the way you'd usually go over and applaud the travelling fans. He says, at the end of the game, I didn't want to go to our fans as I felt I shouldn't. It's about the players, not about me. So apologies for that. But by commenting on that and <laughs> saying that way, he's making it about him. He's like, yeah. did you see, by the way, the fact that I didn't go over to... I'm so humble. Yeah. It's all and also, like, travelling fans is one thing, but let's be fair, it's West Ham. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, how far do you have to go from Tottenham just to, to Stratford? Two. Like, come on. Uh, but he, just in the same press conference, he called himself the humble one. They also asked him, why do you think Spurs' form was so bad this season? They go, do you think it might have anything to do with the fact that they lost the Champions League final last season? And Jose goes, I don't know. I never lost the Champions League final. So. <laughs> he also <laughs> had a, he was talking about how great, how happy he was to see them play music in the dressing room afterwards. It was very, very important. 11 months without music in the way dressing room, without a smile or happiness, they did it. Which is just like, Throwing shade at Pochettino for not having music <laughs> in the dressing room. I don't know. Anyway, he's he's my scoundrel of the week nominee. Fair play. Um, I I have I have three nominees. Go on. I have three nominees. Um, the first two now, the annual Carlo Mali Cup took place over the over the course of the weekend. Don't talk about the war. Uh, don't talk about the war. Carlo Mali right. Cup, which uh, Irish sports media uh, organisations such as ourselves take part in. Yes, uh, and myself. Sean Meehan was playing. Gary Connaughton was also playing. Mark was unfortunately not there. I was away, and my absence was felt this year. Uh, big, <laughs> big time. But uh, you know, we had to ease ourselves into into the competition, and uh, the organisers decided that the best way for us to ease ourselves into the competition was to play the PFAI. The Professional Footballers Association <laughs> of Ireland. So <laughs> let me guess, they had some former professional footballers playing. So for them. I think 
when we kicked off, there was about 15 League of Ireland medals on the pitch, <laughs> none of which were won by the Balls Die team. Surprisingly enough. So the first nominee I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to bring to the table is Mark Quigley, uh, the 2012 PFAI Player of the Year, uh, <laughs> in the, the same and the haunter of Sean Meehan's dreams from now on. Um, as a, as a Pats fan, I, I saw I saw Mark you know come to prominence in the league. You know he scored 15 league goals in 2008. Um, so you know I've always I've always known that he was a good baller. Um, Turned didn't out quite sure, good. Didn't know how good he was. Uh, so there was just there, he was ludicrous, basically. Mark, you're ludicrous. You're you're better than everybody by a million miles. Fair play to you. But there was one bit of skill that you did on myself, <laughs> which I feel I need to I need to address. Uh, so the ball came over. I don't know who played it, but it was like sort of lofted over to you, and I went to go and press, knowing that. He's a tricky customer and I can't get too close to him because I won't be able to anyway because he's too quick and for, for a multitude of reasons. But in one fell swoop, did he take a touch of the ball and I go to try actually, you know, clock him? <laughs> did he just roll the thing? Like, oh. and I mean, do you remember, do you remember, uh, Luis Suarez, nutmeg, David Luiz in the Champions League? And it, like, he, he got it through a gap so small. That even Louise was like perplexed as there, there was a, there was a hole there was a hole between my legs. What's going on? Basically, that's how I felt, and I just sort of collapsed. I never seen a more after. broken man. Like me, Sean was just he, he kind of he just kept running, and I was just like looking out. out I ran like, the opposite. He yeah. went by me. I ran towards their goal. I was like, I'm done. And I think that we were seven one down at this stage as well. So. But let's but let's let's not let's not let's not you know talk about why he did that. Actually, yeah, you know what, let's... Uh, because I know for a fact that he clocked me earlier in the first half of that match and said, this lad, thinking that he's all that, because I took the ball off him and McGeady spun him and I was away. <laughs> Quickly called, but he was away way, for a brief second. You did the McGeady spin, oh, as did. opposed to Ed McGeady was not playing for us. Uh, no, <laughs> although that being said, <laughs> he doesn't have a League of Ireland winners medal, so I suppose he could have fit in on our team. <laughs> But yes, I did. I did do a McGeady spin, famously named after Aidan McGeady on Mark Quigley, the 2012 PFA that Player of the Year. own nomination. For so I, uh, not only am I a scoundrel of this week, but Mark Quigley is as well. But my actual nominee is <laughs> Gary Neville. Gary Neville, can you stop saying Manchester United every time? Manchester, Manchester United. United. Every time they get the ball, they do what and they're playing. Stop. Just say... I know you can't say United because they're playing Sheffield United and that's confusing and people from Sheffield and it's their team, they call them United. You know, people from Manchester call Manchester United United. They could be playing Arsenal and you keep calling them Manchester Manchester United. United. It'd be be, be Bishop Stortford, I'll come on to them later when we're talking about football manager, against having to more Louisville and he'd still bring up Manchester United. He also says Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh, just, just oh, in, its, in its entirety. Yeah. He just, look, he just. Uh, what are you proving every time you say that? Th- that you know how to pronounce Manchester United? Shorten it down. Less is more sometimes, Gary. And you've been doing it for far too long. Why do you think he does it? I don't understand. Like he just keeps doing it all the time. I, uh, and it's sorry for anyone who hasn't noticed this before. We're sorry. It's one of those things because it's like uh, the glass breaking that you're not yeah. going to be able to. You're not going to be able to ignore it anymore. I have one last nominee. That I want to mention, right? It's a packed field this week. Yeah, <laughs> one last nominee, and this person hasn't really done it. He hasn't. It's not for what he did this week. It's like an overall achievement. In it's like a it's the Ryan Giggs Lifetime Achievement Award 
for scoundrelness where um, um, I don't think he's quite a scoundrel to quite the level that Ryan Giggs is but <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's a Ryan Giggs with a Premier League player of the year despite the fact that it was more kind of what he done for playing the Premier League for about 45 years Let's, we just right. want to clarify that though uh, Jamie Vardy Tammy Abraham Aubameyang Rashford and I think Kevin De Bruyne and Mane right all great players what do they have in common I'll play for the big teams. Nope. They're the only players to have gotten more fantasy football points so far this season than John Nudstrom. <laughs> he's a scoundrel. He's a defender playing in midfield he's who not, keeps scoring goals. He's not a defender, he's not, not defender, playing in midfield. That's the fantasy, fantasy Premier League. I just, the, he's getting away with it. He's a scoundrel. That's, but that's not him. That's Fantasy Premier League that got that wrong. But he is a scoundrel in terms of he's, he was, he's low, low key. Loki Lundstrom. Also so cheap. He started out at 4 million. Anyone out of the first week of the season, I tell you, they're laughing now. He's going up to 4.9. I think I got him for 4.2 or 3, so I'm happy enough. I had him in my week, the whole week going into it. And then the last day of the, uh, before the, the Premier League transfer window closed and the Premier League started the same day. And someone tweeted, a Sheffield United fan, that Sheffield United were after buying a midfielder and that Lundstrom wasn't going to play anymore and anyone who owned him was going to make a mistake. So I, I, got, I, I got rid of him. Can I just point out, he played 10 games in the championship last year. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Fair play to But there we go. Who are we going to give the award to? Like, Finchie wants to give it to himself. I want to give it to myself. But you're not. But you're not. Also, I'm not allowed. In, in, in the issue of fairness, even though I absolutely don't know I mean. <laughs> I think it's Jose. I think Jose too. Yeah. I think Joe, it has to be. Like it's, Gary Neville's been at that all the time, the Manchester United thing. John Lundstrom, as he said, is really more of a nomination for his accumulation. It's a legacy. Yeah. It's, a, it's a legacy pick. And then you're going for Quigley, but nobody's really seen Quigley. We just have to take your word for it. And to be honest, like my word is my bond. We played, drink we is played a, a five-a-side game last, or five-a-side tournament last year, and we had a, an all-star team we were up against that had the likes of Alan Cawley, Stephen Elliott, Stephen Hunt, and... Uh, and I have to say, we all—I only got nutmegged by one player on that team. Who I went out to defend him. He was coming up the left wing. He nuts me, cut inside, and then buried it into the far corner with his right foot. Own Colgan. <laughs> that man could play football. As in Buzz from Hardy Books. Buzz from Hardy Books. That man could play football. It's but always look, the ones you you least expect. I tell you, he was very good. Um, but anyway, Jose Mourinho, our David Luiz scoundrel of the week for this week. Speaking of Owen Colgan and other Irish players to watch out for, Gary, uh, you've been watching, you've been looking through the different divisions uh, from the English Football League and the Premier League from the weekend. How did the Irish players get on? It was a qu- quiet enough week now, to be honest, Mark. There wasn't a whole lot to shout about, really. Um, one encouraging thing was Michael Obafemi was back in the Southampton team for the game against Arsenal at the weekend. By all accounts, did pretty well, I think. Uh, played 75 minutes, so that's encouraging for him because... Every time he seems to get a go, either with Ireland or with Southampton, he seems to get injured. So hopefully he can stay fit. Matt Doherty is back balling. We've seen him playing for Ireland there last week. He was very good against Denmark. Uh, so, like at the start of the season there, he was kind of carrying a bit of an injury. Um, and it would look like Traore might kind of oust him for that right wing back role. But now they seem to have found a way to fit the two of them into the team. And yeah. they won at the weekend, and don't they're all of a sudden Wolves are fifth. <laughs> How did this happen? I was waiting for you to stop talking so I could bring up this point because <laughs> I was like, I was just looking at the Premier League table after they, you know, they bring it up after yeah. the United Chelsea game. I was like, 
Wait a minute, Wolves are fifth? I thought Wolves were in a bit of a crisis. There was, yeah, were, there was a time there. when it was like, when I think it was Jota scored the last minute equaliser against Crystal Palace. And I'm like, Jesus, they're not, doing, they're not doing all that well. And then all of a sudden, boom, fifth, easy. Yeah. I think that just proves like it's, 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 like it's Liverpool, then it's Man City, then you're looking at Leicester, Chelsea, then it's basically everybody else. Yeah. It's madness. Because and, then, I even, and then Watford at the bottom. Because it's only two or three years, or years ago, two or three weeks ago, where I was looking at them playing Newcastle after playing in Europe. I was like, that's not a winnable, that's not a game that Wolves are guaranteed to win. And I think I backed it in the one, two, three picks that it'd be one all. And so it was. Yeah, they're, they're playing well. They're, and the Europa League doesn't seem to be affecting them all that much either, which is, um, which is a good sign. We had, of course, the classic at the Bram- Bramall Lane yesterday with uh, Sheffield United and Man United, the two Uniteds, but um, it was a... Uh, Manchester United. Manchester United, of course. I, I, I loved, one thing I loved in this goal, I do, actually there's a post up on site about it, I did it. Uh, Sheffield United's second goal, Moussa scored, it was a great goal. Your man, John Lundstrom, paid the pass, I think, to... Oh, no, it wasn't, it was Fleck. Fleck. Fleck, yeah, Fleck yeah. sorry. Sorry to John Fleck. But um, the run from David McGoldrick to create that space... I thought it was just everything that sums up why David McGoldrick is so valuable to Sheffield United. But does United. that not also prove why David McGoldrick needs somebody beside him? Yeah. Like, he's 100%. all well and good, like, and he can hold up the ball fair play to him, but if you don't have somebody, like, right next to him, and obviously Moussa was the one that time where he came short, the ball it kind of breaks in midfield, and then Fleck gets it, passes it on to him. Like, I'm yeah. telling you, Mick, Mick better have been watching that. Yeah, because the issue against Denmark was that David Goldrick was both the number 10 <laughs> coming deep and also the number nine trying to yeah, be a target like, about it. Gonna be he was almost like he would try to pass it to himself, yeah. you know? Speaking of Jose Mourinho's counter of the week, when I do mention that, did you see that uh, he said the first thing he wanted to do when he came in to Spurs and he was working with Delhi Alley during the week was for him to get beyond Harry Kane? So he wants Harry Kane to be even more of a number 10. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought no, of you straight no. away. I know what he's saying there, though. Yeah, I know. That's not down to Harry Kane dropping deep. That's down to his midfielders getting forward. Yeah. So Kane feels a need to drop deep to kind of occupy that space and then basically encourage people to get up in front of him. If he's doing it, but he's playing in that in like as that striker up top, you can drop back. Listen, I'm all, like I'm all about my Thierry Henrys here. I want my strikers to be getting assists as well as scoring goals. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's not a number ten. He never will be. But McGoldrick, nor is he Irish. For, for that <laughs> run, it was like if you if you watch it again closely, McGoldrick kind of started to run half heartedly, then looked uh, over his right shoulder to make sure Maguire was tracking him to uh, to leave open all that space and then when he seen Maguire was tracking him he's like right I'm going for this and really pulling him out and that made the difference because that was where the ball was played in Musa buried it uh, Callum Robinson also did well for the third goal very good assist I thought kind of the way he got out of his feet and kind of just dinked it across the goal was uh, very impressive as well uh, what else was it wasn't a whole lot much else. James McLean man of the match for yeah, Stoke City that was the next one I was going to say James McLean man of the match his best performance in a Stoke City jersey by all accounts judging by those who watched it uh, one, a man, one man who was certainly impressed was his manager, Michael O'Neill, and also a possible playoff opponent in March. Uh, of course, Ireland could play Northern Ireland in the playoff final if they both win their semis. But uh, he was asked after the game about, well, you know, could you be in trouble if you meet in that final? And McLean is in that sort of form. And he says, we'll get him doing double sessions all week before, before it, if that happens. We'll get him run, he'll be running 20 kilometres a day but to be fair James probably does that anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
James Collins. Yeah, he was in the championship team of the week on who scored. James Collins also in the championship team of the week for his goal against um, Leeds, Mark Farley's Leeds United. Thoroughly deserved win for Leeds, despite yeah. the fact that Rob Luton injury time and also that I think Luton scored a goal where there was a Leeds player playing the bomb by about 10 yards before <laughs> left for offside. Um, so that's it. That's your all that's the standout performances yeah. for Irish players of the week. That's it. Lads, it is time for the big debate, and this is one that I am really, really excited about. We're going to chat this week about Football Manager. It came out last, I think it was last Tuesday, so it's out nearly a week at this stage, where we've got plenty of content up on site, more to come for anyone who's after buying the new game and they're looking for possible teams to take over, wonder kids to identify or whatever. But we're going to look back at Football, football Manager as a whole, really, maybe the, mostly the last decade, but just in general, at our own Football Manager careers. Swap some war stories, but also... You know, maybe get some from the rest of the Boss.e listeners and readers. If you've got any that you want us to mention, we might even bring, bring some up on the show next week again. You can email the gaffer at Boss.e or get in touch with us on social media at Boss, D-O-T-I-E, and any of our social media channels. But people have already been messaging in, in their droves telling us about their achievements, their, uh, you know, their, like we said, the war stories, good, bad, or indifferent. Gary, you've been looking at a few on Facebook, what are you getting? What are you seeing so far? Uh, we've some we've some cracking ones here. Uh, we have one from uh, Keith O'Galvin, uh, Keith Galvin, I assume. Uh, in F- Football Manager fourteen, I took the worst playable team in Iceland, Kanati Sporan Falag Fialabayagor. Yes, uh, um, I'm I'm glad that that's you, not me. <laughs> yeah, uh, to the Champions League group stages, spearheaded by an American striker, re- retrained as a trekker. What's that? Trequatista. My pronunciation was uh, for poor there. Jordan Branco. I tweeted once to let. I tweeted to him once to let him know, but he never replied. <laughs> John Balspin on Twitter. He says this is going back a while. It's Championship Manager 1993. I was in charge of Manchester United in a big European game when Paul Parker played a bad back pass, which is intercepted and led to a goal. We lose because of it. I run a very tight ship, so the only course of action was to fine Parker a week's wages every week for two years. The guy kept showing up to training, though, an honest bro. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that happening? That's, really? ne- that's next level. What was your greatest football manager achievement, Sean? My greatest achievement, it was... Um, I was looking over in anticipation for this, for this podcast. Um, it's football manager 15. Um, so I was, on, I, was on, I was on my steam... And I was looking at the amount of hours played on each of the football managers that I have on this account. So I've got football manager 2010, 2012, 15, 16, 18, 19, and now 20. Um, So the one that comes closest to football manager 15 in terms of playtime is football manager 2012, which I paid around 600 hours of, which is a solid amount. But uh, on football manager 2015... I played 1,288 Jeez. hours. <laughs> and How was that? Why is that by four? <laughs> 24, sorry. There's a little reason why I did that. It's like fucking 50 days. 50 days. <laughs> it's, a, it's a while. Listen, lads. lads. There was rationale behind it. So my first protocol with any game like that is to take over St. Patrick's Athletic. Yeah. Turn them into a world, like a dominating force in world football. You know, the classics. Um, I think I left it at around 2032. <laughs> so just, you know, a solid 17 years in charge. Yeah. Now we got to, we never won the Champions League, unfortunately, but it got to a stage whereby I wasn't playing league matches. I had won the league. 
every year every single year so like what i would do every single season after um after the league was finished after we had won it again and basically won all of our matches was to just look at every like look at dundalk look at Shamrock rovers just take all their play all their good players never play them just throw them away like I, <laughs> just, so, just just so they didn't have them just so i didn't have to worry about them. Bayern munich-esque yeah exactly just take them just bring them in you know throw them throw them into the reserve we don't even have a reserve squad you're in there anyway the under 19s you're, you're 35 years of age who cares uh we Which, had made it to the champions league semi-final was our best achievement but coupled with that it was just just finding gems that I fell in love with. So it wasn't really the relationship I had or the trophies I won. It was the journey I had along the way (laughs) and the relationships I had with certain players. So immediately, Pat's legend, like in in real life and in in digital form, Christy Fagan. uh, Played him for three years, I think, after after I took over originally. Became the club's record goal scorer. I love you, Christy. I will forever love you. In every in every guy as possible. Then I signed a lad from Manchester City called Godsway Donya. Striker currently plays for FC Nordjylland. <laughs> it took him two and a half years to become Pat's record goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half years. <laughs> there was there was also a lot. I I think I found a cheat code where it was just like just take Manchester City like youth prospects, sign them for dirt cheap, and then just. Wait. Be good. Yeah. Like so, um, one of my greatest, achie- one of my crowning achievements was pretty early on, and I was talking to Gary beforehand. Was beating Manchester United in uh, in the Champions League round of sixteen, two one. Uh, Godsway Donio scored uh, that day, and Emmer Hughes, who was a, another former uh, City graduate, he also scored. There was also a lad I saw called Divine Na. Which is a great name. That's a good name. It's a great name. So, so you're God's way and you're divine now. Divine now. And they you. both came through Man City. They're both two Ghanaian lads. Two good, honest Ghanaian lads. <laughs> uh, he currently plays for Hapoel Renana in Israel. But he won the PFAI Player of the Year six times in a row. I'm going to uh, introduce a new award into this segment. It's hot off the presses, right? Okay. Scoundrel of the football ma- no, football manager <laughs> scoundrel of all time among the three of us who's got the most who's been the most dastardly because that just reminded me we were like by all the players the good players in the league yeah. and just throw them away I went through a phase for every year I'd play football manager I'd add another manager uh, take over Liverpool sell all their best players for like a pound a piece give all their youth team players a few hundred grand a week contracts make the club go bust and then just go on holiday <laughs> and get them relegated <laughs> down to league one Gary, have you done any of that? Have you been just really honest? I like to think I'm a very fair football manager player. I've never added a second manager ever in my life. These dirty tactics. When I'm rolling in the money and like some lad off Rovers thinks he's he's all that in a bag of chips, what what am I supposed to do? Not throw him on the scrap heap? (laughs) We don't want these people to succeed, Gary. We want to win. My uh, best football manager achievement, I think, was in 2010 when I won the Premier League five years in a row with five different teams. (laughs) (laughs) Commitment issues with Newcastle, <laughs> then Man United, then Arsenal, then Aston Villa, then Everton. Uh, that was the Raphael van der Vaart era of football manager, where if you bought Raphael van der Vaart, played four two three one, it was just your guaranteed four two three one. Obviously, with the man, the central attacking midfielder, slightly to the left or right, because he didn't want the two lads running into each other if you played them straight behind the striker. <laughs> which, that was my is, logic. I always, I, did, I always did that. They always call it asymmetric. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, I got to a stage like so. In originally with formation, like I start with like a four. 
four three three, but it's really a four one two two one, whatever it is. And then eventually you just start throwing more players forward. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to a stage where you're playing two centre halves and about ten attackers. <laughs> like, uh, I I also think like wasn't football manager was I think it was FA Premier League manager ninety nine two thousand maybe in the PlayStation. But I think it deserves a mention that I managed to win the Premier League with Everton, where I had Richard Dunn playing in goals most of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Because I accidentally uh, played him because he was like the first name, you know, it was that position was right under the goalkeeper, like centre back or whatever. And I accidentally put Dunn in in goals and he got a 9.2 rate or whatever it was in the game playing in goals. So I said, look, going to keep you there. Exactly. That was the smartest decision any nine-year-old has ever made in football history. <laughs> uh, my first ever uh, purchase on Football Manager, on Championship Manager 03 as it was at the time, was Kishishev from Charlton to Manchester United. And... Uh, that coupled with a few other factors led me led me to uncover what the word beleaguered meant because I'd never heard of it before in my life. But it used to come up in the news that I was always Manchester United's beleaguered manager, Mark Farley. There's a few. I like that. There's like side, you know, side, when you side yeah. someone down, the uh, like that kind of. Like, I don't know what it is. It's almost like a it's like a gardening instrument. Never knew what that was until football manager. Thank you, football manager, for teaching it, teaching the kids, teaching the children. It's, just, it's like Formula One, nineteen ninety eight, or something on the PlayStation is where I learned the word penultimate because he always <laughs> <had the> penultimate <laughs> app. Hey, Gary, what other uh, who else from the Bosley readership has been in chatting uh, about telling us about football? Manager? Ben O'Connor is onto us on Facebook. He said, uh, "I took over Newcastle." He said, "We're talking around two thousand and four here, and promptly signed Diego Tristan and Raquel May." Tristan scored 74 goals that season, mainly off the back of Raquel wow. May assists. Never before or since have I had a striker get remotely close to that tally. So uh, <laughs> that's 74 goals in, uh, in any man's book. That's a good, that's a good season going. in front of goals. Some going. Um, um, on, 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 a, on a vein of Juan Roman Raquel May, uh, just in terms of brilliant playmakers, um, I'd just like to bring it back. And it's, it's, it's the reason why I love this, this, this save so much. I'm going back to my Pat save. <laughs> But uh, I just want to—I just want to mention this, and I want to make sure everybody knows how much I love this boy, even though he doesn't actually exist. Uh, Giuseppe Piazza came through the St. Patrick's Athletic Academy in around 2021. You know, a sprightly 15-year-old Italian that somehow ended up in Inchicore. Um, <laughs> no idea, no idea why, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, he eventually went on to make the go to 300 appearances for Pats. Scoring around about 50 goals, but setting up many, many more. Breaking hearts all over the place. But he got to a stage where, boy, you know when you go onto your transfers, like you go into a player, you look at like who's interested in him. Um, I went in and there was 73 clubs interested in signing that, this lad at one point. 73. Holy Christ. Um, it's almost as many goals. And, but you know what? But... This is where the Italians missed a trick. He ended up getting get, getting residency here, and it, like it was almost like rugby. All of a sudden, Ireland had the number ten that they've been looking for all along. Uh, That's what we need to do in real life. Exactly. <laughs> just get this random fifteen Italian, and then just bring them over. So and if you're if you're listening, Giuseppe, <laughs> but not Someone only should that. have been identifying Jabby Alonso when he was over in me that time for the summer. Exactly, and then just yeah. kept them there. Yeah. But uh, I also I I, I reconstructed. Uh, Bell and Sebastian's uh, Piazza New York catcher to uh, to talk about Giuseppe Piazza Inchicore playmaker. <laughs> um, and and I love him forever. Really, he'll forever be in my heart. He's tattooed on my heart. Uh, Brian Kane was in touch on Facebook, and he's reminded me of my own 
personal battle that I've had with football manager. He says he brought Luton up to the Premier League, won numerous Champions League leagues, and after 20 years, the board agreed to a new stadium, named it after their previous manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, which leads me to what has been my biggest, the reason I've kept playing football manager play all these years, and the one accolade that's always evaded me, which was that I remember I was in college and one of the lads I would go on, you know, I've done this, I've won this Premier League five years, five or whatever, playing football manager for as long as I can remember all this. And then he was playing away with Norwich, I think it was at the time. They built a new stadium and they named it after him. <laughs> and then he managed Arsenal for a couple of years and did feck all with them. They built a new stadium, named it after him. I think I ended up taking over Man United and won like 10 Premier Leagues in a row. They built a new stadium, called it whatever, fecking, then I don't know what it was, Man United Stadium. I never, ever, achieved the whatever you call it the accolade or the achievement of getting the stadium named after yeah. me it's the one thing that evaded me until this year oh football manager in 2019 i got the mobile version and i got west brom got them promoted won the premier league they built a new stadium and they asked me should i to suggest a name for the new stadium <laughs> and I, I suggested the mark Faraday arena and they went with it now i also I to, does I, that qualify no no <laughs> and also it shouldn't qualify because i know exactly how you were winning all those champions leagues and and premier leagues you just game the system as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll just take a lot on loan and then all of a sudden, boom, you have them permanently. I, my crowning... Well, I, I had a couple of runs in Football Manager. One of them was with Huddersfield where I was like, I don't know why I decided. I just, I'd be Huddersfield for the crack. They were in League One at the time and uh, did well with them. But Jordan Rhodes, who was at Huddersfield at that time, was banging in goals. So... And as he was in real life, he was also doing it for me in the game. But he had a clause in his contract that uh, if a bigger club came in for him and bid a certain amount, then we had to sell him. And I think Norwich came in and bought him because they were in the championship. But then I ended up getting promoted, hammering Norwich twice the next season, sickening Jordan Rhodes. So uh, I still hold a grudge against him for that. But eventually got Huddersfield up and after three or four seasons of grinding, I won the league with them. So that was uh, one of my big ones. And the other one was... I started with Liverpool, got sacked within the first season and had no reputation, so I couldn't get uh, like another top job. Ended up going to Colchester, who were around the bottom of League One at the time. Stayed with them for about fifteen seasons and won two Champions Leagues. So that was uh, they were my they were my big ones. That's what you like to hear. Yeah. That's what you like to hear. There's um, another another guy on Facebook here, Mark, is a similar thing. Well, you cheated your way to it, but uh, Joseph John, he said, football manager 2008, winning back-to-back Champions Leagues with Finn Harps and getting them to build a new stadium and call it after me. So it seems so to he, be... He, he did, yeah, he th- did that. That Stran Relax stadium's <laughs> going to come in eventually. He didn't just suggest that the name it after him. <laughs> uh, there's a few, loads of people on Facebook getting touched. Who was there? I see Gary White. I got sacked from Leeds halfway through my first season. Uh, so I had to take a non-league position. Got working, got walking out of the uh, Vanarama South. Inexplicably, someone bought us out and got into the Vanarama Premier. Can't remember the name of who it was, he says at the time. We had a budget of 250k instead of last season's 2k. Got into League 2, given a budget of 1.5 million. League 1, Championship, Premier League, 10 million budget. I got the Europa League in my first season and received 25 million the following season. Won the Champions League the next season. And then I think they built a statue of me inside uh, 10 years of being at the club that's a statue I never heard of a statue that, before uh, I heard of stadiums sta- 
and Matt Conan said I won the Champions League five times and the Europa League once with Sligo Rovers the board built two stadiums the last one had a capacity of 67,000 think the population of Sligo is less (laughs) (laughs) Uh, football manager heroes we leave it on this I have a, a love for so many different players because of who I discovered you know when you discover them in football manager first and then they come into your life in real life Gilfie Sigerson was one he was with I think it was Hoffenheim at the time maybe or actually was at, he was at Reading still um, and my foot, when I was playing with football manager and he, uh, he came up a fantastic player for me and then in real life he came back from Hoffenheim on loan to Swansea City and I was like geez Swansea City after signing Gilfie Sigerson I'm getting him straight into my fancy football team before he even played a game and he was outstanding Yuri Tielmans although I suppose everybody knew him in real life at this point but even still when he came to Leicester I think there were a lot of football manager fans last season who were like Jesus finally Tielmans in the Premier League um it's like obviously I talked about God's way Donio just in yeah. terms but like these are players that nobody like nobody's heard of them God bless them uh, Jack Butland was just he was unbelievable I don't go for big teams usually so I have to like yeah I have to wait a while in order to get a player that like would have actually like came through a youth system and like is actually like a footballer really nice, on yeah. a certain level but I remember I signed Jack Butland for like two mil on one of the games and he just I think it, my, it was ludicrous. Yeah, was I think my favourite ever was my, in the first championship manager I owned, I think back old three, was Dean Ashton from Crew Alexander. Al, Alexandra, sorry. I signed him for like 200k and became one of the best prim, strikers in the Premier League. There's There are a lot of lads, like, obviously it's a lot easier nowadays because you just go into Google straight away and you find mm-hmm. lists. You find that, who you want. The likes of Balls.ie have got up if you want to see them, <laughs> who are the best Warner kids, Carolan and the likes Brits. It is interesting to see, like even from that, from playing it, you know, in recent years, you got like the likes of Zagadou, Ritsu Duan, and there are plenty of players who I'm so looking forward to seeing because of Up Manager. And all we can say to the makers of that game is thank you for all the joy you've brought us over the years. <laughs> and the pain. And the pain. Oh, so much pain. And when are you going to name a stadium after me? <laughs> <laughs> but that is it from us today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have not subscribed yet, please do make sure to subscribe to Balls.e Podcast. Just search Balls.e Podcast and all good podcast apps. Or if you just want the football show or any of our football related content, including Kevin Dyle on every week on the Build Up podcast preview in the football weekend you can search football and balls study and subscribe to our football feed there uh, please do rate and review the show as well and get in touch with your own football manager stories scoundrels of the week nominees and all else in between but until we chat to you mind yourself <laughs>